Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today, Sarah Cohen, who's the Associate Dean for Recruitment, and her colleague, Barkley Barton, who's the Associate Dean for Evaluation and Selection at the University of Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for being here. Just so everyone knows, being that there are two people being interviewed, we're going to alternate questions. The first one is going to be for Sarah. Sarah, welcome again. And can you give us an overview of the University of Pennsylvania, highlighting its history, mission, values, and what sets it apart from other institutions? Thanks, John, and thank you so much for having us today. So a little bit about Penn. Uh, Penn was founded in 1740 by Benjamin Franklin, who at the time had a vision for um, education that was innovative at the time, um, to founded his university to train young people for leadership in business, government, and public service. And the curriculum resembled somewhat of what is today considered the modern liberal arts curriculum. And Franklin himself was an innovator, a revolutionary thinker. He was a member of the Second Continental Congress, a drafter and signer of the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution, and is credited with many inventions during the course of his life, from bifocals to the lightning rod and the odometer. So this sort of feeling of of firsts is very much what continues to drive um, us forward today. So today our campus sits on 299 acres in West Philadelphia and really continues to reflect that that rich heritage of innovation. So like Franklin, our faculty and students and alumni continue every day to make breakthroughs in research and scholarship and education. We continue to experience many firsts here at Penn, including having the world's first collegiate business school, 
The first electronic large-scale general-purpose digital computer was created at Penn, and uh, the first woman president of an Ivy League institution. Penn offers students unparalleled education informed by inclusivity, intellectual rigor, research, and the drive to create new knowledge to the benefit of individuals and communities around the world. So we think that there is a culture of um, innovation at Penn, which is grounded in the liberal arts and sciences and enriched by the resources of our four undergraduate schools and 12 graduate schools. So I'm a little biased because I work here, but I think what sets Penn apart is our location in the amazing city of Philadelphia, the incredible opportunities that are available across the curriculum, our campus that's sort of a, a blend of a residential community with the city environment, and of course, the people, students, faculty, and staff that drive us forward every day. Well, you mentioned that it's founded by Ben Franklin. Lots of firsts at UPenn. You talked about inclusivity. You talked about its intellectual rigor. Really sounds like there's something for everyone at the University of Pennsylvania. So, Sarah, I know there are many but can you share the university's most popular academic and extracurricular programs? And what are some of the unique or renowned examples of each? Sure. So all academic programs across the disciplines and across the schools and, and programs at Penn are, are incredibly strong and really provide our students with an unmatched education and preparation for their careers or further study and lives. So I'm going to share a couple of features of our academic program that are particularly unique to Penn and that I think speak to some of our core values as an institution around innovation, around service to society, around interdisciplinarity. So first, we offer courses um, called academically based community service courses, and these are classes that are offered for full academic credit that integrate service with research, teaching, and learning within our West Philadelphia community, and in the in the course of the semester, bring together academic expertise and the expertise of the community via mutually beneficial partnerships. So some examples of courses from this past fall are called Music in Urban Spaces, Nursing in the Community, and the Role of Water in Urban Sustainability. So these courses would introduce students to um, understanding a, an issue or um, some type of um, challenge um, in the world, in the community, and students learn about it and then um, venture out to our, our local community to sort of put what they've learned into practice and learn from others as well. So that's a really um, interesting and unique feature of our curriculum at Penn. And then I also wanted to mention the President's Engagement and Innovation Prizes, um, which empower Penn students to design and ultimately undertake post-graduation projects that make a positive difference in the world. So individual students or groups of students are eligible to apply for these awards each year, and award winners are provided substantial financial resources and a living stipend to pursue their ideas and really put them into practice. So some of the most recent winners from this last year included a project to empower our maternal and child health in Uganda, a project to provide first aid training to high school students in Philadelphia, and a startup that develops a beanie that promotes the developments of newborns in the NICU. So just a couple examples of some of the unique opportunities and exploration that happens um, across the curriculum every day at Penn. Well, thank you so much for that overview, Sarah. It really sounds like there's something for everyone at UPenn, both on your campus and beyond. And I want to welcome Barkley and really follow up on what Sarah was saying, because 
not only do you have rich programs, again, academically and in your extracurricular offerings, but Barkley, I read recently that UPenn's retention rate is an astonishing 95%. The national average is about 70% and UPenn is at about 95%. So what is the secret to not only attracting so many students to apply, but keeping them happy and wanting to return once they're on your campus? Uh, And as Sarah mentioned earlier, John, thank you for having us here. We really appreciate uh, you thinking about the University of Pennsylvania. (laughs) And so my pleasure, my only um, in our actuality, the University of Penn actually has a six year graduation rate for undergraduates. That's at 96 percent. Wow. (laughs) And yes, I don't I don't know if there is a secret. Uh, There's nothing that I've been able to find that's a secret. It's just the university has a commitment to academic excellence, renowned programs, exceptional faculty and just a vibrant campus life. Uh, Sarah mentioned earlier, one of the great things about the university is where we're located in in Philadelphia. And so uh, Penn has offices that really support. Uh, student success and wellness, like the Wine Garden uh, Learning Resource Center, Counseling and Psychological Services, the Wellness at Penn, uh, the Penn First Plus Center, uh, Cultural Resource Centers on campus for students, uh, our International Student and Scholar Services, our College Houses, uh, and more than 400 student clubs and organizations where students wow. can really hone and find themselves uh, while they're here, and not just in their first year, but over the course of the four years that they're here. Uh, plus, we offer an unwavering dedication uh, to knowledge and to service that attracts very ambitious students, uh, not only domestically, but around the globe. Uh, we have a student faculty ratio of six to one. of classes have fewer than 30 students, and 95% of classes are taught by faculty, not graduate students. So the, I really, when it boils down to it for me, uh, the administration, the faculty, and staff are just committed to providing students with the resources and opportunities necessary to be successful uh, for four years. Well, like you said, over 400 clubs, incredible academics, that low student to faculty ratio, no wonder 95% is your retention rate. So let's get into the application process and unpack it a little bit if you don't mind. Barkley, can you provide an overview of your holistic approach to reviewing the applications and what are the key components, deadlines, and requirements that applicants should be aware of? Sure. And I know this is what everybody is wanting to know about. So, but I'm not going to say anything that, I, again, that's a secret. Um, a comprehensive review looks at a student's application from several different perspectives. We review the academic curriculum through the lens of the student's high school. I think I need to say that again, through the lens of a student's high school, how they have engaged um through your extracurricular activities, both inside and outside of the classroom, a student's personal information. What do they, what the context that they share with us? Uh, The recommendations that people like yourselves, the principals, the counselors, the teachers (laughs) share with us. And last but not least are their essays. Their essays really do help us gain insight to who they are. Uh, The college application process is a meaningful journey 
that encourages you to reflect on yourself, your community, and their interest. Your voice and experience matters. The student's voice uh, and experiences matter. And we cannot wait to hear their stories. And I know there's also a sense that <laughs> we don't read applications. We read students' applications. Uh, so keep in mind some, some co- key components, deadlines, and requirements. Our deadlines, we have an early decision deadline of November 1st. And then we have a regular decision deadline of January 5th. So keep in mind, the early decision is a binding process where students will apply and if admitted, must attend. Regular decision students will have the opportunity to compare their admissions options of other institutions. Uh, Penn does accept the Common App and the Coalition application. We have no preference for either format and treat both applications equally in our admissions process. We do encourage you to review the features of each application format and use the platform that suits you best. You should submit only one application per admission cycle and not mix and match across platforms. Well, we appreciate that, Barkley. Thank you so much. And I particularly like what you said, that you review through the lens of the student's high school, which is a reminder to students and parents You should be familiar with your school profile, your high school school profile, and ask yourself, am I taking advantage of everything that's available to me, whether it's inside the classroom or through the co-curricular activities or the extracurricular activities that your high schools offer? Are you immersing yourself and really taking advantage of what's available to you? Because that's how they're going to look at your overall application. Am I correct, Barkley? That is correct. Well, I appreciate that. And so let's dig a little deeper and turn to Sarah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the overall review process. So obviously the transcript is the most important part of the academic portion of the application. So Sarah, can you walk us through what you're looking for when reviewing an applicant's transcript and does it differ based on the student's intended major? Yes, absolutely. And definitely to echo much of what Barkley shared about the 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 review in context of a student's individual circumstances. So the transcript tells us how you have handled a challenging curriculum and what that looks like for you in your school. So you mentioned, John, the school profile. This is an important document that helps us know the features of your school. Um, And so for any listeners, if you're curious about what your school profile is like, ask your counselor, maybe ask your, your teacher, ask a principal maybe to see if you can take a look at it. It's not a secret. Um, So we are interested to see the courses that you've taken in your school, where you might have sought additional challenge or additional rigor, where has been appropriate for you and, and the grades that you've earned in those classes. We know that every school is different in terms of what classes are offered, how classes might be graded, how, uh, the curriculum might be organized and what's available or not. So we look at your transcript in the context of your school, uh, looking at your academic performance in the context of what has been available to you. And the reason why we do this is because we're we're evaluating your preparation for the Penn classroom, for the rigor and the expectations for academic growth that you'll experience when you arrive on our campus. And so the transcript helps us in our evaluation of your preparation um, at Penn. 
So depending on the school or program that you've applied to at Penn, we we do often have more specific curricular preparation that we're looking for. Again, to make sure that our students that are coming in are going to be ready to uh, and prepared for the Penn classroom. So for example, for the engineering school at Penn, we look for a strong preparation and foundation in physics and math, especially calculus, since those are the building blocks of the engineering curriculum. For Wharton, which is our, our business school, we look for a foundation in calculus. For nursing, it's an exposure to the sciences, especially chemistry, for obvious reasons. That is the building blocks of the nursing curriculum. And then for the College of Arts and Sciences, we're looking for a balanced and advanced college preparatory curriculum. So the transcript helps us, you know, see students their academic record, um, and their preparation for their future studies at Penn. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code College Talk, one word, just College Talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one on one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And as I said earlier, obviously, the transcript is the academic portion of the overall application. And what you're looking for students from an admissions office is, number one, you want to make sure that the students can handle the work if, in fact, they're accepted to the University of Pennsylvania. I really appreciate how you broke it down in terms of specific things that you're looking for, whether they're applying to engineering, Wharton, right, which is like the business school in the entire world. Uh, nursing or anything else for that matter. So we really appreciate the detail. And Sarah, let me ask you something else related to the application. Can you explain the differences between being deferred or waitlisted? And if either happens and the student is still very much interested in UPenn, is there anything they can do to help their chances of being accepted? Sure. Happy to talk a little bit about these terms, which can be confusing when you hear them, uh, hear them thrown around in the conversation about college. So being deferred, uh, deferral is a decision outcome that occurs during early decision um, for us at Penn. And that occurs, we, we can defer students when their application is strong, but we'd 
like the benefit of a bit more time to reconsider and look again um, later on in the spring. So applicants that are deferred are reviewed again in the regular decision timeline and a final decision is made at that time. Waitlist is an option that we use under the regular decision application cycle. And this is also for strong applicants who are not admitted but who we would like to remain in contact with as our class size settles following May 1st, which is our enrollment deposit deadline. So in both cases, we certainly appreciate that not getting a final answer can be challenging uh, and can open up other questions. So if you'd like to indicate your continued interest in Penn after being either deferred or waitlisted, we um, invite you to submit just one update to us, anything, uh, a short letter or something of the like that you'd like to add about your involvements or your activities since submitting your application or anything you'd like to say about your continued interest in Penn. And one is just fine. You do not need to submit multiple letters or other materials to us. The degree to which we use our waitlist depends every year on what our class size looks like after May 1st. So it's difficult to predict from year to year how many students will be admitting from the waitlist. We just have to wait and see. Understood. And thank you so much for explaining being deferred, being waitlisted. And a quick follow-up question for you, Sarah. If a student is waitlisted and something really unique happens that would add to their overall application. For example, they become a National Merit finalist. Perhaps they're a Regeneron scholar. Are those the kinds of things that you want to know about? Yes, exactly. Those are great updates that you can send along to us, and we're happy to take those into consideration uh, later on down the line. So you would agree, right? It's not about emailing the admissions counselor three times a week, telling them, please, please, please let me in. However, if something unique and new happens, perhaps you're selected as the valedictorian or salutatorian, that's something that you should definitely reach out just to let the people in the admissions office uh, be aware of. Correct, Sarah? Yes, that sounds right. Okay. Thank you so much for that. And back to you, Barkley. So I'm packaging the application deeper. How important are the teacher recommendation letters and personal essays in the application process? And what advice would you give to students on crafting compelling essays and securing strong letters of recommendation? Sure, John, we get this question a lot. Uh, so uh, we do require students to submit at least one academic recommendation from a current or recent teacher, uh, one from someone who knows you personally uh, that would add information not captured elsewhere throughout your application. This could be another teacher or it could be someone from outside of your school context. So let's say it could be your, your coach, it could be uh, a community-based organization that you've worked with, uh, your church organization that you work for, uh, anyone or any place that you have done some type of community service. So those are all really good opportunities for you as far as a recommendation. And last but definitely not least, uh, I know it said teacher recommendation, but we don't want to forget about, as Sarah mentioned a few minutes ago, someone that you can connect with your high school counselor uh, because they will share uh, what Sarah talked about a little bit earlier, the high school profile with us. They will also share the context of your individual high school. Um, so that's really they are a part of the common or coalition application process, but they really do give us another level of insight 
uh, to not only who you are, but the context of your high school that we really do focus on. In your recommendation letter and the personal essays, they really do help provide us with a sense of who you are as a student and not, not only a student, but as a person. Through them, we're trying to answer the question of how do you contribute to an academic community? Because think about it, and Sarah mentioned this a little bit earlier, uh, when you come to Penn, we are a community. Uh, we have a community that is very broad perspective. And so, and then how have you done this over the course of your time in high school? And how might you bring those contributions to the classroom at Penn? Uh, and I think I have two pieces of advice uh, that I would probably share. First, when it comes to a recommendation, try to identify a teacher um, that knows who you are uh, or that person outside of the classroom that really has a sense of who you are and not someone that you just ran across, <laughs> uh, <laughs> someone that you just met or your parents just met, but someone who truly knows you and can really speak to your persistence, uh, your leadership, and the impact that you've had uh, in your high school or in your community. Another piece of advice when it comes to the essay, number one, uh, after you've written your essay, read it aloud. Uh, make sure that it, you get a sense of, your essay gets a, a sense of who you are and you can hear that for yourself. And then secondarily, have someone, whether it be a parent, a teacher, a friend, put you back in there again, John, the principal, uh, to review your essay and really provide honest feedback. Uh, so that way, once you submit it, you know you are sharing uh, a piece of who you are uh, when you submit your application. Well, a lot of great pieces of advice there. I like how you talked about asking yourself the question, how will you contribute to the academic community, in this case, obviously at UPenn, but also what has been your impact in high school? You know, a lot of times students, they wanna write about the programs that they wanna pursue, the clubs that they wanna pursue, but they forget to mention or talk about the type of community member and how are they gonna to contribute to that great community? So I really appreciate you sharing that with us, Barkley. And as a follow-up, the Common App provides the same essay prompts regardless of which school you're applying to. Many schools, however, add supplemental questions to gain more insight into the student's understanding of their institutions. How many supplemental questions do you ask for? And what are you trying to learn from potential students' responses that are not available in other parts of the application? Sure, and I'm glad you asked this question. Um, the, U the UPenn application includes a personal essay and supplemental short answers. Uh, the two short they are about 150 to 200 words is what we're looking for, response essays, and a prompt specific to the undergraduate or coordinated dual degree programs to which a student will need to apply here for Penn. So we're asking for you to write a short thank you note uh, to someone you have not yet thanked and would like to acknowledge. We actually do encourage you to share that short thank you note to whomever you write that essay about. Uh, and then our second question, our short uh, answer question is, how will you explore the community uh, at Penn? And so we want you to consider how Penn will help shape your perspective and how your experiences and perspective will then help shape 
the University of Pennsylvania. And then the, the school specific prompt will now be unique to the school to which you will apply. So to the student, which will they will apply. So consider as an example, and the if you're looking at uh, applying to the College of Arts and Sciences, uh, you would answer the prompt, the flexible structure of the College of Arts and Sciences curriculum is designed to inspire exploration, foster connection, and help you create a path of study through general education courses and a major. So what are you curious about and how would you take advantage of opportunities in the arts and sciences? So um, the essays are another window into how a student thinks what you value, and then how you see the world uh, and within your lens. And again, this is really about you, the student. We want to get a glimpse of what you might bring again to the community here at Penn, including your voice and then your creativity. I do encourage, um, I know this is a lot, so I encourage students to take a closer look of each of our questions. And so you can go by, you can go to our website what Penn looks for in the essays section. And so that will break down not only the two short response essays, but also the different uh, school essays that we're going to ask. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for the advice. And just so you know, both Sarah and Barkley, I always put the Office of Undergraduate Admissions in the show notes. If there are any other links, please provide it to me. And of course, we'll make it available to the students and their parents in the show notes. And another follow-up that I have for you, Barkley, given the evolving landscape of standardized testing, what are UPenn's policies regarding SAT and ACT scores? And has the university made any recent changes in this area? That's a great question, John. And I know all your students are interested in this, not just your seniors this year. So uh, the University of Penn has actually been test optional for the past three years or cycles. Um, and we will continue the policy for the 2023-2024 application year. Uh, students who do not submit the SAT or an ACT or subject test scores will not be at a disadvantage. Uh, in the admissions process. Let me reiterate, students who do not, who decide on their own to not submit an SAT or ACT will not be at a disadvantage in the admissions process. And just for those uh, future students, a decision has yet to be made for the 2024-2025 year, but as soon as a decision is made uh, from the admissions office, from the university, we will make sure we communicate that to all the high schools and prospective students. And it's always important to check the university's website for the latest and most up-to-date information. So again, Barkley, we appreciate it. Sarah, back to you. Let me ask, if one student's high school offers 25 AP courses and another candidate school offers only five, right? We're talking about that school profile that we mentioned earlier. One school has 25 while another only has five. How does the evaluation process differ for these students? So the short answer is the evaluation process does not change. The principles are, of our evaluation process do not change based off of the type of school that a student attends. We're still trying to answer the question, you know, what does a challenging curriculum look like in this particular school and how has a student sought out appropriate level of challenge based upon what has been available to them? 
And so our evaluation process is highly contextual, um, you know, in, in that way. So we really seek to understand what each school might offer in terms of that advanced coursework, whether that's AP courses, whether that's another type of curriculum, and how students have pursued appropriate rigor when they're environments. And it's our job as admission officers to be able to, you know, take this lens of, of asking and understanding those questions and really apply to a global applicant pool coming from hundreds of different school environments that have a lot of different variation place by place. So for students, it's most important to know that, you know, we're looking that to see that you have challenged yourself um, amidst what's available to you in line with what your interests are, in line with what your future goals might be. Um, and we're never going to expect that you will have taken classes that aren't available to you in your school environment. Uh, we're trying to use the tools in the application to understand what a challenging curriculum looks like to you, how you've sought out that challenge. Um, but we're never going to be expecting that you're taking classes that are not offered to you in your school. Well, thank you so much for clarifying and explaining exactly the way you review applicants from different schools like that. Another conversation that comes up a lot for students and their parents is the cost of attendance. So Sarah, can you tell us about the university's approach to financial aid and scholarships? In other words, how do students apply for financial aid and what resources are available to help them navigate through that process. Absolutely. And we recognize that this is one of the biggest questions and important topics in the conversation about college. So happy to elaborate a little bit about what Penn's approach is. So Penn uh, has a grant-based undergraduate financial aid program that meets 100% of students' demonstrated need, comprised of financial aid packages that consist of grants and work-study funding. So it is possible for students to graduate with a Penn degree debt-free. Wow. All undergraduate financial aid is awarded on the basis of financial need. So that means that Penn does not offer aid based on academic or athletic merit. And we're really proud that Penn is the largest university with a program that enables eligible undergraduates to receive grant-based financial aid packages for eight semesters. And just to provide a data point, about 44.5% of our undergraduate students received need-based financial aid in the 2022-2023 academic cycle year with an average aid package of about $63,000, which is more than the cost of tuition. We also have um, a program for students whose family incomes are less than $75,000, including typical assets, to receive financial aid packages that cover tuition, fees, and room and board. So a little bit about the application process. So U.S. citizens and permanent residents will need to submit the FAFSA, uh, the CSS profile, and a form we call the Penn Outside Resources form, as well as federal tax returns to apply for financial aid. And all of those have their own deadlines that need to be followed, similar to our application process deadlines. International students only need to complete the CSS profile and tax returns or other income statements uh, for their particular application. And then it is really helpful to get a sense at the start of, you know, what a Penn education might cost for you and your family. So we do have two estimator tools on our financial aid website to help families get a, a general ballpark sense of that. They are called My Intuition and the Net Price Calculator. And those are both available for anyone. They ask a series of um, basic questions about uh, family income and finances and will give you an estimate of what the cost of attendance might look like for you at Penn. 
I'll also say that we have fantastic colleagues in our financial aid office, and they are open and available to speak with prospective students or admitted students if you are considering a financial aid award as an admitted student to help answer questions. And then all Penn undergraduate students, whether they receive need-based aid or not, are assigned to a student financial aid counselor during the course of their time here. And we also have particular counselors who work with our highly aided students. Um, So these are counselors who work exclusively with students who are the first generation in their family to attend college or may come from lower income backgrounds. Well, lots of supports for the students at UPenn. You mentioned the counselors, which is phenomenal. I don't never heard of anyone actually having a counselor specific for the financial aid process. So thank you for sharing that. I also appreciate you mentioning the net price calculator where you answer basic questions and then you get an estimate of the cost of attendance. And that, of course, is not unique only to UPenn. Actually, every college and university is supposed to have that on their website. So regardless of which school you're looking to apply to, please make sure students and parents that you use the net price calculator. So this has been a phenomenal conversation. Sarah and Barkley, I cannot thank you enough. It does unfortunately lead us to the last question, and I'm going to turn to Sarah first. What other advice would you provide a student and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? I would say be true to yourself. Know who you you are, and you are enough regardless of the outcome of the process. Uh, Your own individual talents and potential cannot possibly all be contained within the college application. So try to see this process as one of exploration and getting to know yourself better, thinking about what your goals are for the future or what's important to you as a person or as a learner and how you're going to continue to grow into that person um, throughout this this part of your high school into college experience. Um, and then as it's just a reminder that the outcome of this process does not have any bearing on your worth or potential as a human being. There are so many excellent colleges out there. Certainly we think Penn is one of them, but so many places that are offering really transformative educational experiences and really what you make of it is the most important part. And a last thing I'll say is that remember to Uh, We have a thank you note question. One of the um, values that we try and cultivate is gratitude. And so I do think it's a good idea to remember to thank those in your life who will help guide and support you um, through this process. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. You're awesome. And Barkley, same question. What other advice would you provide a student and their parents going through the college admissions process? I really like Sarah's response. So, <laughs> Me too. It was awesome. um, I'm just going to add to, so as Sarah mentioned, there's so many different institutions out there. We know the University of Pennsylvania is one of the best schools in the country, but we also know there's other options out there for students. So keep your options open when it comes to selecting an institution. Make sure the institution that you attend is a good fit for you, both academically and socially. Don't just choose a school based on where your friends or your family might have or might plan to attend. And then some something specific to parents. Uh, give your students space to truly explore and compare uh, institutions. If you have an opportunity uh, to visit, wonderful. Most institutions today have virtual options, so please, please, please utilize those resources. Uh, as, you, as we mentioned before, utilize the net price calculator uh, to really determine your financial options and have a frank discussion 
uh, with your students on what the options uh, as your family um, that are feasible for you as a family, I should say. So uh, just really take your time. There's a, a ton of great opportunities out there and really start this process early. Well, Sarah, Barkley, you guys were both amazing. The University of Pennsylvania is so lucky to have both of you, and we were blessed to have both of you on the podcast today. I really can't thank you enough, and I'm so happy, as I know that this is going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the process. I do want to have you both again. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, John. This was a pleasure. Thank you, John, so much. Well, the pleasure was all ours. And one last thing to say to all the students and the parents out there, good luck as you navigate the process. Take care, everyone. Good luck. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.